Monday. It's Chad and Zay. I'm Chad Hastings. Isaiah Collier picks out a beat for us to start every third hour. What you got today, Zay? Fabulous. Can't deny. Featuring Nate Dog. All right. Fabulous. Fabulous being the producer? No, fabulous being the rapper. Oh, the rapper. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And Nate Dog hanging out. Nate Dog hangs out with a lot of people, doesn't oh, he? Oh, yeah. He's everywhere. He's the hook king. Good stuff. I guess when you become known for that, a lot of people are going to call you up. Absolutely. They're going to know your number. All right, fabulous uh, getting us started this hour. Got a lot of football on the board, of course, with the combine, uh, but plenty of basketball to talk about. Longhorns look really good beating Kansas, finishing out the regular season. They're the number two seed in the Big 12 tournament. Remember, that's a 6 o'clock start on Thursday. To talk some college basketball, we thought we'd get a national perspective right now on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. He is Scott Spinelli, host of The Breakdown on the Believe Podcast Network, former BC interim coach as well, at Coach underscore Spinelli, if you want to get a, get your follows together for the tournament. Uh, Scott, we appreciate the time. How are you? Hi, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me today. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. We wanted to get kind of a national look at these Longhorns and some other teams in the region because, you know, we're grinding with them each and every day, the ups and the downs. Let's start with Texas, this two-seed in the Big 12 tournament, uh, looking like they did against Kansas, but sometimes they've disappointed a little bit on the road. What do you make of the Longhorns as we head into the Big 12 tournament? Well, first of all, you've got to give a lot of credit to Coach Terry and their staff, right? I mean, what they've been able to kind of do here uh, in managing. I mean, obviously, you guys lost a terrific coach and Coach Beard, um, you know, but with the job that those guys have done in terms of managing this, this, this program and the players and keeping it together, uh, you know, admirable, very admirable. With that said, look, Texas is very, very good. They're very deep. Um, I, I think, as you said it, I mean, one of the things about Texas this year They've been incredibly successful at home. And then on the road, you know, it's been a little bit, uh, you know, different story. However, I coached years in the Big 12. Um, I understand, you know, the venues there. So you really, I think, with the competition from top to bottom in this league, um, it is very hard to win on the road, period, no matter if you're Kansas, Texas, whoever it may be. So looking at Texas's team, though, and what they have going into this tournament, um, you know, look, they're a team right now that I believe can beat anybody, especially on a neutral floor. They're a team that with the guard play with Carr, obviously, um, you know, being, you know, his experience he is, as good as he is, he's had a tremendous year this year. You know, he's been around, you know, kind of forever, it seems. But, you know, one of the things having him out there, you know, he leads this team and wherever they play and whoever they play in the tournament, uh, I think they got a great opportunity to win, especially on a neutral floor. Coach, let me ask you this from a coaching standpoint because now we're getting into conference tournaments and some coaches like conference tournaments and some don't. Some think it's just kind of a waste of time and just want to get straight to the madness, but we know each situation is different. For those bubble teams, they need every game that they could get. And for teams like a Kansas or a UCLA, even the Alabama, they could probably do without it. What, what's your opinion on these conference tournaments? Well, look, I think you just, you know, kind of said it best. I mean, for some teams right now, you know, they're playing for a lot more than others, right? I mean, some teams are playing for bid. If you look at a team like West Virginia, Texas Tech, 
mean, that's a pretty much an elimination game in my mind, right? I mean, if West Virginia wins that game, they've got an opportunity not only to beat a Texas Tech team that's, you know, very well respected in terms of their Ken Palm and ranking, but they also get a chance to face KU again in that second round, which I think would give them another opportunity to quad one win, which I think would really kind of uh, solidify their chances of getting in. So I think any way you look in the tournament, especially in the Big 12 tournament, I think it was personally the best basketball league this year from top to bottom uh, in all of college basketball. So, so a lot of teams can play their way in. They have great opportunity by being in the tournament. And then other teams here, look, they know they're soundly in. They can only improve probably their seeding. I think Kansas right now is a solid one seed, especially winning the Big 12. Um, I think if they get to the semis or even championship or win it, I think they're going to solidify themselves as a one seed. But, look, you know, you're playing, you're trying right now to kind of go into this tournament and continue to keep, stay healthy as best you can, get better, um, get your team ready for the NCAA tournament if you so are uh, fortunate to be in. But if you're not in, you have great opportunity by being in the Big 12 in this conference tournament. Talking with Scott Spinelli, again, host of the Breakdown on the Believe Podcast Network, former BC interim head coach. And, uh, Coach, we've got a team, obviously, uh, in the Houston Cougars, and Longhorns obviously looking good. Houston looking really good right now. In fact, Jamal Shedd went to a high school right near here, so a lot of folks were following that big shot over the weekend. Tell me about the Cougars. Um, Are they, right now, are they definitely a one seed for you? If they did slip up early in their tournament, do you think they're a team that could lose that one seed? And how far do you think the Cougars could ultimately go? Well, I think Houston right now is, is poised to be a one seed regardless of what happens. I think, again, you know, you don't want to lose in the tournament. But what Coach Sampson and his staff have done there, the culture that's been created, uh, you know, it, it, they're going to be a team that's going to be reckoned with. I think Houston's thing, again, is just staying healthy right now. Obviously, with Sasser having the kind of year he's had, and when you look at their team, the one thing that's pretty consistent about Houston this year is they're complete on both ends. They're obviously an excellent defensive team. They're a tremendous rebounding team. Uh, offensively this year, they're very efficient. And the one thing, if you kind of wanted to look at three teams that I think have chances or have a great chance to advance even to a Final Four, if you look at a team like Houston, you know, their turnover margin, they don't turn the ball over much. They value the ball. Their assisted turnover margin is excellent, one of the top two in the league, uh, as well as KU. KU leads the Big 12 in assists per game. So their turnover, you know, assisted turnover margin is excellent. And when you add UCLA in, you know, they're top two in their league. So I think that statistic matters. I mean, valuing the basketball uh, really matters here, especially going into the tournament. But Houston's got a lot of weapons. They're complete. Um, you know, obviously, Sasser, we've talked about him. You mentioned Sheed. I mean, you know, what he's doing right now is second in the league in assist. Um, they're avid. they got five guys in double figures right now virtually at, you know, in terms of their lineup. Um, you know, I, I think they've got a team here that really is poised, you know, to make a run, deep run into the tournament this year as long as they continue to stay healthy. Coach, I see that you were an assistant coach at A&M for a little bit when you mentioned that you're in the Big 12. My partner, he's an A&M alum. I know that's kind of weird being on the horn station, but we let him live <laughs> over here. Uh, you see this A&M team. <laughs> you see this A&M team and what they did to Alabama. And just kind of talk about your time at College Station playing in the Big 12 and how good you think this current Aggie team is, especially them beating that NATO Bama team this weekend. Yeah, no, I think Coach Buzz and his staff, again, have done a tremendous job there. 
um, you know, they really pulled it together, right? They had some tough losses, uh, you know, non-conference. They lost to Wofford. They lost to Murray State um, early on. And, you know, to Coach uh, Coach Buzz's credit and what he did at getting that team and holding them together, I think it's just, a, you know, you got to tip your hat. But they're a, ten, you know, they're a tenacious defensive team, you know, Coach Williams teams have always been that uh, along the way. Every stop, I, you know, we've had chances to play against them. So they really get after you defensively. I mean, obviously, they've got star power, um, you know, at, at different positions. They're going to be a team, too. I think a lot of it's going to be depending upon matchups uh, and who they match up with. But as you guys both know, defense travels, right? And in the NCAA tournament, no matter who they play, uh, you're looking at that matchup when it, you know, pops up in your bracket. You see A&M. You know, you better be prepared for a hard-nosed, physical, tough-minded defensive team who is a little bit, and actually they're sneaky good offensively, but they're going to be a team that's going to be in the tournament, and uh, I think, you know, they've got a chance to advance uh, in this NCAA tournament this year. When you look at uh, some of the teams that are going to be battling, you were mentioning a couple in the Big 12, but some of these teams that are going to be battling to get into the tournament, teams that are going to kind of be on the bubble, do you see a couple teams that maybe could pose some threat that if they can get in, you see them maybe be able to, able to make a, a run, maybe Sweet 16 or further? Absolutely. Look, I, I think you guys know this. When we were at Texas A&M, we had – the best four-year win total in A&M history, right? We were in the tournament every year. Um, you know, the one thing that always, again, you know, concerns anybody is, number one, when you look at who you're playing in that first round. And when you look at the Big 12, you know, these teams have been battle-tested. And, again, you know, when you look at a team like an Iowa State, you know, uh, you know who they match up with in the NCAA tournament, is always usually the determining factor of how some teams advance, why some teams advance and some teams don't. It's all about matchups. That's the game of basketball. But one thing about certain teams in the Big 12, whether it's Kansas, Texas, they can play different styles. They can play different ways. So it really doesn't matter much for them who they match up with to a certain degree, right? I mean, if you're playing Syracuse, if they uh, obviously Syracuse is not going to be in unless they make a deep run, but then you're going to have to play against the zone the entire game. So those things matter. But, yeah, I think there's a number of teams here in the Big 12 if they get in. I think, you know, look, you know, obviously Oklahoma State, um, if they make a run, they've been playing, you know, really good basketball as of late. West Virginia is playing really good, um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with that West Virginia Texas Tech game, but again, Texas Tech, um, you know, is good enough to make a run, especially the way they defend. So I think any number of teams in the Big 12, if they get in and they get the right matchup, could be a serious threat to advance. Coach, one team that's probably going to be a number one seed that's kind of flying under the radar, and I don't know if it's because they're in the Pac-12 all the way in the West Coast and have those late-ass games. I have no idea. But UCLA, <laughs> they seem like a team that, you know, Coach gets them there every year. And Jaquez and Campbell, they could really go. Do you think they could get back to being that Final Four team that we saw a couple years ago? Absolutely. I, I think UCLA, again, very complete basketball team right here, you know, uh, with Hakez, as you mentioned, um, you know, Jalen Clark, obviously they got that great backcourt, point guard, Tiger Campbell. Um, you know, again, they're a very complete team on both ends. Um, you know, they do some things extremely well um, offensively with that team, but they also defend. That's one of the things that UCLA does do. Um, and so, yeah, I think UCLA this year is a team that, again, depending upon matchups and who they – you know, facing this tournament 
could advance deep and get to a Final Four. And look, you know, when you look at Kansas, I mean, Jalen Wilson, here's a guy that, that declared for the NBA draft his first two years, and he comes back after each time he declared with the new rule in the NBA. He's a junior, obviously, Big 12 Player of the Year. They've got a couple guys on that roster have already, you know, they're defending their title, right? So Kansas is going to be a team, too, that's going to be, you know, uh, reckoned with here. But, yeah, I think UCLA, Houston, Kansas, those are three really strong contenders to get to a Final Four this year. Talking with Scott Spinelli, check out the breakdown on the Believe Podcast Network. Coach, I keep seeing North Carolina as a team that is out of the tournament. What do they need to do? Obviously, the obvious thing would be if they win the ACC tournament, they get in. Outside of that, what do you think they would need to do to get in? Well, they're going to have to pick up some wins here in the ACC tournament. And, you know, you look at Carolina's team, you know, it was last year, last game of the season, where they actually beat Duke on the road, and it kind of changed their, their trajectory, their confidence. Um, and I think right now they still have a chance here in the ACC tournament. Um, they're going to have to win, in, in my estimation, is at least get to the semis um, and maybe even to the championship. But, look, Carolina at one point this year, as crazy as it sounds, they were, they were the number one team in the country, guys. So they've got the personnel. They went to the national title game. Um, you know, they've obviously been kind of a work in progress. I mean, Brady, you know, Manic from last year, I, I think they, they miss him a lot, you know, in terms of his ability to make the three, although Nance has done a decent enough job. But, you know, this is a team that, again, has the talent. They have the experience. They've got that iron five. There's not a lot of, you know, bench play. At least these coaches not played a lot there in the bench. It'd be interesting to see if, if they have enough depth here to, 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 to sustain what they did last year and make a deep run into the, the ACC tournament and then obviously in the NCAs, But they, they have some work to do. Coach, is there any player that's on your radar that could just change the way the tournament looks? I mean, we know what Carmelo Anthony did in 2003. That year, Kimball Walker had for UConn was pretty crazy. I know those guys are perennial all-stars when they went on to the next level, but is there anybody at this year's tournament that could have maybe that type of tournament that nobody's you know paying attention to to really excel their team and put them over the hump? Well, look, I think I'm going to answer that this way. I, to answer your question, there's numerous players that if their teams get in are guys that you're probably going to hear about a little bit more, right? The big, you know, Stevens kid, the seven-footer from Tech, Tennessee, Chattanooga. Um, you know, he's as skilled a seven-footer as I've ever seen. Um, again, it depends if they end up winning and they got to beat Furman to get to the tournament. But he's capable of just because he's just such a matchup nightmare. He can shoot the three. He can go inside. Um, I think he's somebody they obviously keep an eye on. But the team to really watch out for, guys, here, and a lot of teams, probably, a lot of you guys probably don't follow them as much. My One of my sons plays at Evansville. He's a freshman in the Missouri Valley. Another one's at Wofford, so I've kind of seen a lot of these games. But, you know, you got to look at Drake, right? Drake has got a starting lineup with four guys that scored over 1,000 points so far in their career. Their average age in their starters is close to 24 years old. It's like 23 and a half years old. They've got 25, 25, 24, 23, and 20 in their starting lineups. And guys who have been there, um, they've got a star in DeVries, Darren DeVries, a guy that you made reference to about a guy that can really do some damage here in the tournament. But that's as complete a team as you're going to see. Uh, you know, you don't want to be a team facing Drake in this year's tournament with that type of experience 
that type of firepower. Obviously, you have the star power, uh, and they're complete on both ends of the floor. So I look for Drake to be a sleeper team here, if they are even a sleeper team, with that kind of firepower. Good stuff. That is Scott Spinelli. Check out the uh, breakdown on the Believe Podcast Network at Coach underscore Spinelli. Coach, we appreciate your time. One quick favor before we let you go. Us folks down here, we're trying to spread the word on Jamal Shedd. I hear a lot of people saying Sheed. So the folks out in Maynard, his dad works with my wife. They want to make sure we, we say Shedd like in the backyard. So spread the word for us if you can, all right? You, you got that. We'll be talking about him. He's he's a you know quite a player, and I'm glad you made reference to that. Now that's that East Coast Boston accent. But thank you so much. No, right? that's it. That's it. It, it. It's that it's that country thing. It's that shed like we have at having the yards here. So yeah, he's hitting those big shots, man. And it, his, as you can as you can imagine, his dad lets my wife know how proud he is all the time. He should be. He's a terrific player. He's been a catalyst, you know, for Houston this year. Really like that team. Uh, going into the tournament, he's a huge part of it. Yeah, he's big time. Well, we appreciate your time this week, and uh, maybe once the bracket's set, we'll try to grab you again if that's all right. Anytime, guys. All right, thanks for having Sweet. me. Thank, Thank you, coach. coach. Scott Spinelli, again, former BC interim coach, spent some time at A&M. Look at you digging that up. I hadn't even dug that up, that part of it up yet. Yeah. I forgot that was uh, 07 to 11. I so like, I feel like I yeah, should have known that, that name. The AC Law era? That, that's yeah, I think so. Right, he was hitting all those clutch shots and stuff. I think that's going to be right. Feels right. You heard it. You, you see that stat he knew. <laughs> Most successful four-year run. He knew it. Yeah, knew I it. saw it. That's good stuff. Thanks to Coach Spinelli for his time. Tournament coming up next week. Obviously, the conference tournament's coming up this week, and we'll see right now looking at uh, one of the uh, – looking at updated bracketology, Houston, UCLA, Kansas, Alabama are the four number ones. And right now, bracketology has the long. Longhorns as a two in the same um, in the they would be with a Sweet 16 matchup with Tennessee and right now for you Baylor and A and M fans Baylor would be a two seed with the Aggies as the seven so that'd be a second round matchup with Baylor. I don't want to see A and M. A and M. Nah, f the rivalry, y'all. I ain't trying to see in the way they beat up on Nato's Alabama squad this weekend. No thanks. That'd be a wild little matchup. Scott Drew's crew against A and M. Yeah, they could have it. Round. They could have it. Old Southwestern Conference matchup. They could have that one. That'd be a wild one. This projection has that out in Denver for a trip to the Sweet 16. We'll see how the bracket rolls out. And again, don't forget the Selection Sunday show this weekend, 5 to 7 on Sunday. We'll have everything laid out for you as soon as the Longhorns figure out where they're going. Uh, We'll have uh, part of the crew over at the 40 Acres. Hopefully be able to talk to Coach Terry, get his immediate thoughts on kind of where the matchup's going to be and which region the Longhorns end up in. We'll be talking about that throughout the week. Yeah, Chad, there was a little bit too much Aggie, you know, bigging up during that segment. I should have asked Coach, hey, Coach, what was it like drinking with Coach Gillespie back then? See, you're, <laughs> see, you're, you're, you're the one that set it up, though. I don't, I'm not the one that asked him that question. <laughs> I'm just, it's all you coming back to me. That question. It's just all coming back to me, you know. I wanted to make the fi- guy feel welcome and comfortable, but hey. Hey, you set him, you grooved it right down the middle. Don't be mad at me for that pitch. You threw it. I'm just saying, y'all know, the people know what I wanted to ask. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Like, what was drinking with Billy Clyde like? Could you outdrink him at any moment? Come on. How was that? You're not asking that question, <laughs> and you know it's impossible. It's There's impossible. No yeah. way you're yeah, doing Yeah, he probably would like, no way. Had no chance. Can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, coming up next, why today matters. It is March 6th, and we got some big-time birthdays today, including for one of the best centers that ever played the game. How high is he on Zay's all-time center list? We're going to find out. Don't move. It's the horn. Chad and Zay. All right, it is Monday. I like that edit. Um, do I have a chance here, Zay? Because I don't recognize this voice. Oh, you don't recognize this one? I'm not going to lie. This is the calmest he'll ever be on any song. Really? Yes. Doesn't make many love songs. This might be it. Actually, he has two, and they're both classics. There's this one, and there's another one that I'll play sometime later this week. Huh. You always get this guy and Ja Rule confused. Which is a shame in itself. I always whatever. get this guy in Ja Rule. I think you're thinking of Trey Elling, because I don't... <laughs> no, you do too. Is it me too? <laughs> you do too. He's done it, but you do too. DMX? There we go. Okay, yeah. DMX, how it's going down. So you're saying it's a rarity when DMX has a love song? Yeah. Doesn't happen a lot? Not a lot. <laughs> Not a lot. Hard to bark in a love song? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. He even said in the verse, uh, verse, I'm that same dude that you see barking around. <laughs> I don't think he says it like that, but he says bark. That's a great way to start the start the uh, courtship process. Hey, you heard all that barking? That's me. I'm just saying, if you like the barking, I got. there's more where that came from. Uh, DMX, great documentary over the last couple years. I think it was a relatively new documentary they made. Oh, really? On DMX. That was really good. Uh, that was that was good stuff. I learned uh, learned a little bit there. That might be the next album after you, you get so? done with the Wu Tang. May send me on a DMX. Saga. Yeah. Okay. I just gotta figure out which one to pick because he had two number one albums that both came out in '98. Okay. So I don't know which one. I might have to talk to Jeff Howe who mentioned it. Ooh, there about you go. Which one to do? There you go. This week uh, on Thursday for our album swap at two o'clock, I'm gonna be dealing with the Jizza Liquid Swords album. And Zay is listening to Ice T's Body Count because we t- talked about that a couple weeks ago, and, I, and he's never heard it. So I was like, "Well, you got to listen to Body Count at least one time in your life. It is fantastic." Uh, I actually need to re-listen because I can't recall how fantastic it might be. I'm interested to hear what your grade's going to be on the Ice T record on Thursday. Thanks to Coach Spinelli for his time. Some good breakdown on college basketball. Texas, a two seed in the Big Twelve tournament. They will play Thursday at six. They play the bed. Winner, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State will go Wednesday night. And Longhorn fans, you just hope for a four overtime war. And then you'll play the winner. You then would probably get K State if the seeds hold. And then, of course, Kansas may be the team in the finals. So we'll be talking basketball throughout the week. Yo, the way Kansas State got their ass whooping Morgantown? Sure, I don't know. How about you, as as the Longhorn fans, getting all the help you needed? I said it on the way out on Friday as like a throwaway. I'm like, hey, you just root against Baylor and K-State. Boom, boom. And it just cleared the deck for that two seed for you. Yeah. 
Everything you needed. I don't know. Say what you want about West Virginia. Huggy Bear. He I. He can coach a little bit. Yes, he can. And how about Iowa? Was it Iowa State that did that to Baylor? That was. In Waco, right? Yeah. They went to Waco and did that. Uh-huh. That was impressive. Um, all right, so a lot of good basketball stuff from the weekend. Uh, we've hit football as well. Longhorn spring practice begins today with a weird, weird story we're still trying to figure out. In fact, let's put that in why today matters. Plus, i got to find out how high up on his all-time center rankings a birthday boy is for Zay. Let's go. Why Today Matters, brought to you by Sinus and Snoring Specialists. Get sinus and snoring relief with Dr. Daniel Slaughter at Sinus and Snoring Specialists. 512-601-0303 or sinussnoringent.com. All right, Zay, today's Why Today Matters is powered by 100% pure diesel. It is Shaq's 51st birthday today. LSU, of course, is the old school. San Antonio Coles finest. San Antonio Coles, that time of year. Right? That's, yeah. That's yeah, the time of year when state championships are, are won and, and legends are made. And Shaq's team did win it all, right? Yeah. They went and won it all at San, mm-hmm. San Antonio Cole. I can still, to this day, when I meet someone who saw it, who actually saw them play, their eyes pop out of their head talking about it. Yo. His feet for that size and everything. The LSU version was impressive enough. But for the, to listen to the people talk about him in high school and how dominant he was – I, it still gets me excited to hear about it. I wish I could have seen it live. My pop said that they went to practice before the state tournament, I think, at San Marcos High School where my pops was coaching at the time. Mm-hmm. And when he walked in that building, CC automatically said, yep, that's an NBA player. Don't care what he does with the ball yet. Haven't seen him touch the ball yet. Yep. But that's an NBA player. Just the way he moved and not supposed to be that big and be that athletic. Man, and... One thing about Shaq, we know what he does off the court, which good for him. I mean, oh yeah, like the endorsements. You he doesn't turn down anything. It seems like, but he's very smart with his money. He owns like over four hundred five guys and on all types of Papa Johns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Made Papa Johns look not racist anymore. Yeah, but with that, Chad, people always would say, and this goes back to his Kobe days of him and Kobe. If he would have taken the game like as serious as a Jordan or a Kobe or a Kevin Garnett, he'd be the greatest player of all time. But Shaq was very personable off the court, mm-hmm. loved to have fun, rapped, did so many other things. Now he's a DJ and stuff, which he'll be performing at Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament. So he was always wrapped up in different things right. throughout his career. It wasn't just basketball. Yeah, he was still a Hall of Famer, probably my second favorite center of all time after Hakeem. Okay. So if you're doing best centers of all time, you go Hakeem and then Shaq. Yeah, Hakeem and then Shaq. Yeah. Um, I know what Cap did. I know what Bill Russell did during Mm -hmm. the coal mining, black lung era. Here we go. Plus... His owner basically owned half of the NBA, Red R, back, and you would get whacked if you made a travel call on Bob Cousy or something, so people were scared of that. You know, Red Arbach used to talk to players like Coach Adams out in love. No, he didn't. I'm just kidding. He didn't. That's not No, right. Red Arbach was actually a little That's cool not. with it. He just, yeah. you know, he had mob ties. Can't knock those. Can't knock that at all. It's, no. It's the 60s. It's Boston. I mean, come on. In fact, we shouldn't speak of it at all. True. We might get whacked. <laughs> If you don't see us tomorrow, then y'all know what happened. That's right, exactly. But, yeah, Shaquille O'Neal, 
that run that he had in 2000 where he almost won every award that you could possibly win, Oof. like his MVP season, just Shaq was so dominant, so fast, so quick, so big, so strong. Yeah, yeah. I miss him. I, <laughs> I miss uh, his playing days. I do too. It was uh, it was impressive to watch. And for those people that try to lean on kind of the later part of his career and the bigger Shaq and the the less athletic version of him and try to give Kobe, not that Kobe doesn't deserve credit for those three titles. He does. I always remind everybody, Shaq was the MVP of all three. All three. All three of them. Go look at his numbers. Go look at his numbers in 2000, 2001, and 2002. He was dominating guys just dominating people it yeah. was crazy and it would take him a while like he didn't give a damn about november and december because no. he knew he knew his time to come play was march april may and june and that's what gets to your point about and that's what kobe's problem was with kobe Jack. hated it if kobe could have just gotten him to focus in just a little bit but yeah it, it was just that was the the difference in those two guys but Shaq would say kobe it's your fault i know you're cold as hell so i know you're gonna carry us for as many games as you need uh, we need you to right. plus you want that Kobe's big thing was proving to everybody he didn't need Shaq. Like, that's why they would get into it all the time because Kobe would take all these shots and Shaq would be like, hey, dog, we in February now. You can start throwing it to me when yep. we need these big buckets. <laughs> and then Kobe's over here like, bro, where were you December and November? Right. Where I'm shooting 30-something times a game and you're easing back into the groove. While Phil Jackson is just bringing Sage around and stuff. <laughs> Shaq's like, I had a Christmas album to make. <laughs> What are you talking about? I was in the studio. What are we doing? Yo, Shaq's first album? Yes. Classic. Legit? Oh, yeah. Shaq okay. Diesel? I love that album. Is, that might have been my first rap album ever as a kid. Is he the most respected rapper who's rapping, rapping athlete? He'll say he is. Of all time? I think it's Dame Lillard. Okay. Wow. But Shaq went like platinum and stuff. So I was gonna say, has Dame, probably Shaq. Has Dame Lillard gone platinum? Yeah, but Dame came out during the streaming era, so it's a little different. Okay, it's a little different. Just, just trying to figure it out. I still haven't heard Damian Lillard rap. He's good. Maybe that's an album you need to make me listen to. Maybe <laughs> the Dame is it called Dame Time? Please tell me it's called Dame Time. He has about three or four. Okay, one's called Dame Dollar, and it's interesting because the first few years in the league, he was kind of going Will Smith, not. I want to say MZ Hammer because he had bars, but he wasn't cussing. You know, no, both of us, we don't like our raps. With you know, we don't like clean rap. Who likes clean rap? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. But he was into clean rap. Yeah, he okay. was into because of his image. You don't, you never know. And then once he realized, oh, I'm a perennial all star, one of the best players in the league. I'm gonna talk how I want to talk. Nah, I see. Then he got a little unedited. Yeah, he, he got, got a little unedited, unedited and stuff. Good. Yeah, that's all right. He ain't thugging out here like John Morant, but you know, oh jeez, it's good stuff. Yeah, we gotta talk about that at some point too. Good grief, weird stories coming out of the NBA at all times. Uh, high drama. Why today matters. Happy birthday to Shaquille O'Neal. So the Longhorn football story is this, Texas fans. Spring practice began today. Steve Sarkeesian talking to the media, and for some reason he decided to tell the media that recently Xavier Worthy has gotten a cast off of his hand that cast was required because he broke his hand sometime during last season and he describes it as the second half of last season Xavier Worthy had a broken hand he was asked about why it wasn't disclosed and he said we didn't want the other team to know about it and then he said that he was our best option as to why you would keep throwing to a guy that had a broken hand, and he was the best option. So that exhale you hear from Zay 
is is him trying to process, just like I know a lot of you as Longhorn fans are trying to process this story today because we're still trying to figure it out ourselves. It's not how we thought we would start spring practice. We just thought it'd be a little bit of an injury report and move on. I didn't think we were going to have to go back and dig through something like this, Zay. Yeah, I mean, just trying to be positive. Maybe he starts thinking, man, I got these guys' backs. You know, just for Xavier Wordy and how everybody killed him on social media about the drops, especially in against Washington in the Alamo Bowl. Maybe it's just like, okay, I saw that. Let me go throw this out there. But, and now yeah. these guys could say, he had my back. But then there's on the, other, on the other side, our other receivers, when you go out and say, well, he was our best option with a broken hand, what does that tell Jordan Whittington? Right. What does that tell Casey Kane, Brendan Thompson? Even JT Sanders, what does that tell those guys? Yeah, no, me as a fan of the tight end position, that's the guy I thought of. In addition to the running backs we talked about earlier, what about Bijan, Bijan and Roshan and Keelan? As versatile as all three of those guys yeah, are. Bijan made catching the ball look a little easy in Indianapolis this oh, weekend. It was so smooth. A little too easy. So fluid. Yeah, that is so weird. Somebody texted in earlier, just said maybe less media availabilities. I mean, it was. It's just not something you're. Yeah, it's. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Does not make sense. So that is the big story starting Texas spring football this year. Very, very strange. Like if we were content with eight and five around here, we wouldn't give a damn about that. But we ain't. We're not content with no eight and five, five and seven year prior. Right. That's not what it is around here. Yeah, I think. I just think any fan base, any team, I'm trying to remember hearing a story like that for that specific position and that specific thing to admit that. It'd be like you know if your quarterback has a bad second half of the year and you come back the next season to tell us, I oh, yeah, had a broken hand through all that. Wait, wait, wait. While he was throwing those picks? Yeah. While everything was airmail? Yeah. The, the bad completions? and the, Yeah. he was. You didn't go to your back? What? <laughs> I don't understand. But in this case, there are multiple options, and you just laid them all out. This one makes less sense than that to me because you have a room full of guys plus versatile running backs. And no Isaiah Nahor. So you know that Xavier Wordy's role is going to be different with Nair being out also. Right. We knew that from the beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, from step one, that was it, and they continued to go after him uh, a lot. This, yeah, that was already the narrative last year, was some Longhorn fans saying, wait a minute, it feels like they're trying to force the ball to this one particular player. And now you're going to tell them for half the season that particular player had a broken something that is kind of his whole job. Yeah. Wide receiver. What does he need for that? Well, two hands would help. <laughs> two healthy hands would help. Different positions, different. If I'm a linebacker, we can go through stuff. If I'm an alignment, we all know these guys are tough. They go through a lot. Yeah, Anthony Cook broke his hand. He played with a little club. Sure. That, That's yeah, right. fine. That's possible. What I would ask, Zay, is why not right? You want to really defend him? You want to back your guy up right around the time you realize it's broken? Sit him for a week or two. Tell everybody why, and then move forward and develop other receivers. I don't get it. I'm, I do I do not get it. He's not, with all due respect, to Worthy and everything we It wasn't like he was, I don't know, Calvin Johnson at Georgia Tech. No. Was he? Nah. I mean, my God. 
Yeah, that's that's crazy. If you're a Longhorn fan, we're processing along with you. We are here for you to discuss. Wow, I did, we didn't expect that on day one of spring practice. 40 days away from the spring game, by the way. Circle April 15th on your calendar if you haven't done that. 1 o'clock is the kick time for that, and they'll fire up the Bevo Boulevard stuff for you at 9 a.m. that morning. Coming up next, stems and seeds before we get out of here, including some notes from the NFL. Derek Carr getting paid, and he's going to throw on a gold helmet after wearing a silver one. We'll talk about it next on The Horn. And now, please rise for the city. Chad and Zay. I said the fish don't fry in the kitchen. Beans don't burn on the grill. Took a whole lot of trying just to get up that hill. I said, but now we're up in the big leaves. My dirty inside turn epic. And just as long as we live it, it's lunatics. All right, about to wrap it up on a Monday. I like the adaptation of one of the greatest theme songs ever. It's fantastic. Yeah, Jefferson's. Little Jefferson's hit. All right, who is it, Zach? Austin Native, Nelly, and the St. Lunatics. Batter up. There we go. Nelly. Batter up. That's good stuff. All right, Nelly, DMX, NRG, Rat, The Cars, Richard Marks. They've all been a part of the show today. A fabulous uh, beat to start this hour, both, you know, in description and in artist, because it was fabulous with Nate Dog alongside, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. All right, uh, so we got all that going on today musically. A couple other notes before we get out of here. A little basketball, a little football, and stems and seeds. Here we go. No stress, no seeds, no stems, no sticks. Brought to you by AV Consultations, so 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. Good grief, Ja Morant. The Colorado police are investigating this Ja Morant uh, Instagram live video story where he is seen in a nightclub, appeared to have a gun, people around him were drinking, they're trying to figure out if he was drinking. Zay, what the heck is going on here? He's one of the on one of the best teams in the West, and he's taking a gun to a nightclub right after a game. What? What's the ha- things that John Morant has been getting in trouble with this season—it's a serious problem. Mm. I mean, this summer he got into a confrontation with head of security. No charges were filed. He also got into it with a 17-year-old kid where he threw up the gun in front of that kid. Oh, jeez. In a post-game altercation in Indiana. It was somebody accused him and his crew for, like, I guess, pointing a laser-like gun, red dot on someone's head. Like a laser pointer. Laser yeah. pointer. And then this. Oof. Yeah. It's like, bro, you made it. You made it. You are out the hood. You don't need to do these things no more. Man, just be a millionaire. Live like a millionaire. Live good. Mm. Be happy. Focus on hoops. You just got a shoe deal. Waving around the heat, dog. Come on. Yeah, now they're in, uh, you know, so he's, he's suspended essentially for a while. They it might get worse. They don't know how long he's going to be away from the team. There are those that think he's going to have to be away from the team a long time when they look into that story. So, Keep your eyes peeled uh, for that one. The NFL notes from the day. Derek Carr goes from the silver helmet to the gold helmet, and he's going to make some gold along the way. Four years, $150 million with the Saints. 
hundred million guaranteed, Zay. Ooh, for tough. Derek Carr? Yo, man. I don't know about all that. Hey, let me tell you. Drew Brees will tell you, if you do it right, those people will love you forever. Those people will love you forever. I just don't know if Derek Carr is going to rise to the Drew Brees Yeah, you're level. talking about like the most accurate quarterback to yes. ever touch the pigskin in Drew Brees. Yeah, I don't know if Derek Carr gets to that level. But, uh, hey, God love him for trying. And uh, That's a lot. I would have said, man, Derek, I don't, you asking for a lot, bro. We give you some unlimited gumbo or something, but... They have hundred mil. That definitely tells you their decision. It also sends a clear message to. Is Jameis Winston still on that team? Yeah, that sends the clear message to Jameis, right? Yeah. But now look at all these quarterback situations from Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. If you're Lamar Jackson, you go to Baltimore and like, uh, y'all see what Derek Carr just got paid, and I'm an MVP, and look what he just got paid, and yeah. look what they what what New Orleans thinks his worth is. Yeah. And y'all trying to shortchange me? Baltimore probably like, damn you, New Orleans. Oh, yeah, they're not happy. They're not <laughs> they happy are about not that. happy with that. Not happy about that. I do wonder how this makes the Jets feel, though. What are the Jets thinking if they don't end up with Aaron Rodgers? What's their plan going to be? Who do they end up with? That's something to keep in mind now that Derek Carr would be off the market. Also, Cowboys fans, it looks like the reports were true. Cowboys are going to tag Tony Pollard. It's around $10 million for that tag, so if they don't get a long-term deal done by July, he'll play on the franchise tag. You like this move for the Cowboys? Yeah, you know it's going to happen. Yeah. Drop Zeke, keep him. I think that's going to make sense ultimately. Yeah, the Ezekiel Elliott thing could be coming as well. This is the week. In fact, tomorrow is franchise tag day in the NFL. So you're going to see a lot of stories about that coming up. Speaking of coming up, Ball Don't Lie is coming right up with Rod and Hard. 7 o'clock, Soccer Matters. 8 o'clock, Instant Serious. Check out the Monday night lineup and just keep it right here on the horn. we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Have yourself a good Monday. See ya.